this morning, we're going to look at who Jesus is. You know, there's so much that comes at us in our society and culture through every means possible. I mean, I, I hardly ever wear my Apple Watch anymore, but my husband does, and I get to say that now, my husband. <laughs> going on four and a half months and still going strong. <laughs> Woo! And so, but his, his little watch thing is constantly going off with little announcements, you know. And so, I mean, it's not just through the TV anymore. Nobody gets newspapers. But it's not just through your computer. But, I mean, it's just every which way information is coming at you constantly. I mean, is anybody else getting scam calls? Like, scam likely? You know, like, it's just, it's constant, right? And in this world, it's very easy to look at everything that's coming at you and then take your eyes off of Jesus. And so today we're going to look at who Jesus is. Now, this is not an exegesis of Jesus. This is not a comprehensive thing. This is just because he is still who he is. He always was. He is. He always will be. He, he confined himself to our timeline for a moment. We can't, I, I'm not even going to attempt to do everything. We'd be here for years, right? So nobody come at me afterwards and be like, you didn't say this. You didn't. I'm just giving you a snippet, okay? This is a snippet. Like, have some peace. But... <laughs> as the master of all teachers has taught us, we don't just say what we're saying. If you want to communicate clearly, you have to say what you're not saying. Because you never know what kind of biases, preconceived ideas, what experiences, what colored glasses people are coming in with. And so when you preach or teach, you have to say what you're not saying or else somebody will hear you say something that you didn't say. I mean... You know, so I don't want you to hear something about Jesus that I'm not saying. So we're going to also look at, just a little bit, who he's not. Because in this world, the world wants to put on Jesus a lot of things that he's not. And, and it's easy when we go through experiences, when we go through failures or even successes, when we go through disappointments, whenever things are delayed, it's easy to attribute things to Jesus that aren't Jesus. And so the best way to look at Jesus is to look at Jesus... The Word. Because John says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so the Word is Jesus. And so he's the Word. And so what do we do? We look at the Word. It's kind of circular. It's a little bit Dr. Seuss-like, but it, it's all true. It works. So turn with me to Isaiah 53. And you might be saying, well, how do you go to the Old Testament to look at Jesus? Well, the Old Testament is part of the Word, and so that's still him. And everything in the Old Testament points to him. It was all pointing to, to him. And we're going to read the whole chapter. We can do this. So who has truly believed our revelation? To whom will Yahweh reveal his mighty arm? He sprouted up like a tender plant before the Lord, like a root in parched soil. He possessed no distinguishing beauty or outward splendor to catch our attention. Nothing special in his appearance to make us desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of deep sorrows who was no stranger to suffering and grief. We hid our faces from him in disgust and considered him a nobody, not worthy of respect. Yet he was the one who carried our sicknesses and endured the torment of our sufferings. We viewed him as one who was being punished for something he himself had done as one who was struck down by God and brought low. 
But it was because of our rebellious deeds that he was pierced, and because of our sins that he was crushed. He endured the punishment that made us completely whole, and in his wounding, we found our healing. Like wayward sheep, we have all wandered astray. Each of us has turned from God's path and chosen our own way. Even so, Yahweh laid the guilt of our every sin upon him. He was oppressed and harshly mistreated. Still, he humbly submitted and refused to defend himself. He was brought like a gentle lamb to the slaughter. Like a sheep before his shears, he didn't even open his mouth. By coercion and pervert, with a perversion of justice, he was taken away. And who could have imagined his future? He was cut down in the prime of life for the rebellion of his own people. He was struck down in their place. They gave him a, a grave among criminals, but he ended up instead in a rich man's tomb, although he had done no violence nor spoken deceitfully. Even though it pleased Yahweh to crush him with grief, he will be restored to favor. After his soul becomes a guilt offering, he will gaze upon his many offspring and prolong his days. And through him, Yahweh's deepest desires will be fully accomplished. After the great anguish of his soul, he will see light and be fully satisfied by knowing him, the righteous one, because my servant will make many to be righteous, because he, their sin bearer, carried away their sins. So I, Yahweh, will assign him a portion among a great multitude, and he will triumph and divide the spoils of his victory with his mighty ones. And because he poured out his life blood to death, he was counted among the worst of sinners, yet he carried sin's burden for many and intercedes for those who are rebels. Wow. If that doesn't point to everything Jesus was and is, I don't know of a better prophetic phrase or a better prophetic chapter. And so this morning, we're going to look at three aspects of Jesus based on this. And these are the ones that really stick out to me. Jesus the victor, Jesus the savior, and Jesus the healer. Jesus the victor. It talks about him winning. It looks like he loses, but in the end he wins. Jesus the savior, that no matter how rebellious we were, no matter what kind of sin we were in, no matter what kind of, of mess that we, we made of our lives and of ourselves and of everything that he had given us, he, he made a way to save us from our own stupidity, from our own issues. And then Jesus, the healer. It talks about it multiple times in the scripture that it, he bore our sicknesses and in him, we, in his wounds, we find our healing. And so we're going to look at those three. See, what I see here is a man of great inner strength. It talks about how even though he was persecuted, he was rejected, that there was nothing about him physically that would have drawn us to him. Now, my family, I get to say that now, our family is watching The Chosen. Fabulous series. Fabulous series. If you don't know what it is, get with me afterwards. I'll help you figure out how you can download it and you can watch it. Amazing, amazing, amazing series. My one issue, Jesus is way too good looking in that show. Not as good looking as my husband. He's the best. But 
in this, in this show. He's way too good looking. That, that's, that's not what Jesus was. There was nothing physically that would have drawn people to him. He wasn't walking around with a halo over his head. If he had had a halo, they, they, they wouldn't have messed with him. They would have welcomed him into the temple. They would have said, come right this way, sir. There was nothing physically attractive about him. But in the end, he's the victor. He's the victor. And so we serve a victorious God. And I think sometimes we as Christians sometimes feel like we're losers. Like somehow we're losing the battle. That somehow the world is this huge wave coming at us and it's getting ready to wash us out to sea and drown us in all of its junk. And it's, we, we can begin to feel like we're losers. We, even, even in the message when we're trying to get people saved, it's like I'm in sales. I get it. But it's like we're trying to sell people on Jesus. Well, come to Jesus today for $19.95 and he'll solve every problem you got. If you've got a boil on your foot, he can heal it. Do you have a problem in your job? He can solve it. Like, we want to sell them on Jesus as if somehow he's something that we need to sell. He's the victor. Victory in Jesus. I love that song. I sing it to myself all the time when I'm home vacuuming or mopping or Cleaning up after the dogs when nobody else is around to hear me sing off tune. I sing it. Jesus is a victor. And so in that, it's, it's nice to know it. But what I want this morning is for it to somehow grip our hearts to where we can walk in this world with a, with a confidence that we serve the winner. <laughs> we don't have to be the losers. We have a little, a little song that we sing that I learned in, in our family whenever somebody's feeling a little self-pity. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm just going to eat worms. Sometimes I think that's how we feel about our Christian life. Like, we think that we've got to give up all this stuff for the Christian life. Like, we can't have fun like the world does and we can't cheat like they do and we can't cut corners like they do and it's it's this great sacrifice that we have and and like we're missing out on something and it's so easy for some not everybody but for some to kind of slip into like a little self-pity but we serve the victor (laughs) you know we they think we lose but we win you know they think we're gonna die but we're gonna live they're, they're actually living in death, whereas we are walking in life. We can have hope in the storm. We can have peace during the war. We can have joy during the sorrow. There, there is a life source that we have that we can pull on that is the victor of this world. He's the victor of life, and, and we can pull on it. And so it doesn't matter what the, what the world is doing around us. We can stand and have peace. And so that's, the, that's where we've got to get. See, Jesus is not a loser. Let me just clarify. He's not a loser. Being with Jesus, we lose nothing. We lose nothing. We lose nothing. And he even promises us that those who give up mothers and brothers and sisters and houses in this world will have their reward and have eternal life. And so I don't want to sell it trying to bring balance, right? Don't want to say, I want to say what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we're all supposed to be in million-dollar homes and driving Bentleys. Try to ask that of the martyrs of Rome or of the current Christian church of China 
Okay, I'm not saying that, that Jesus, I'll, I'm also not saying that Jesus wants us to be poor, okay? Because he was always extravagant but never wasteful. When he fed the 5,000, they, they gathered up the extra bread and fish, right? So he's not wasteful, but he is extravagant. There was leftovers. People weren't having to break the bread up into 16 pieces and everybody just get a crumb. So he is an extravagant God. But we don't, so we don't live for rewards, but it's also we don't deny that they exist in heaven. We, I mean, we, we just, ah, we, we, we try to put to him something that he's not, or we say that he's not doing something that he should be doing, and, and we can just, it's so easy when life pushes us hard. Now, when life's going good, it's easy to see Jesus who he is. But when it gets hard, when the doctor's report comes in and it's not what you wanted, when you prayed for somebody and they didn't get healed, when, when the paycheck is, is less than all your bills that you've got and you're getting the pink slip at work. See, that's when the rubber meets the road, the proof is in the pudding. That's when we've got to really know who Jesus is. Let me correct that. We've got to really know Jesus. That's what it is. Knowing who he is is nice, and I'm glad to give you some intellectual food to, to eat on. But what I'm really trying to do is get you to know Jesus. To get you to know Jesus. Because he makes all the difference. He is the victory that we need. It's not just he brings us victory. He is the very victory that we need. Jesus the Savior. Over and over in this chapter, it talks about how he was humbly submitted, refusing to defend himself, how he was willing, he was willing to go through the suffering, through the rejection. And, and it's not like, you know, with, with little kids, when they hurl insults at you, you can kind of laugh because you're like, ah, oh, you have no clue what you're talking about. Jesus didn't take it that way. He already knew that he was going to defeat sin, death, and the grave. He already knew that he was going to go to the cross, and in three days he was going to raise again. He knew this. And so it's not like when they rejected him, it didn't hit him. It's not like he said, huh, you can reject me now, because, and it's not going to bother me because I know what's coming. It says that he was a man who, who was familiar, who was no stranger to suffering and grief. He felt that. He felt that rejection. He felt that disgust, that judgment from, the, from his own people that he was coming to save. I'm sure at times he felt the indignation of like, you suckers, I'm here trying to help you and you're going to treat me like this? I'm but then he dealt with it in the right way. He was submitted to the Holy Spirit. He constantly walked in forgiveness. He constantly walked in grace. He constantly walked in mercy. I mean, he is those very things, right? He is mercy. He is grace. He is love. He is joy. But he is our Savior. And so when I, when I, when I grab a hold of that, the peace that it brings, because I know that when I sin again, because I'm human and things happen and Old things might come up, and when pressures come, you tend to revert back to old ways, and, and 
stuff, life happens, and we sin. Knowing that he willingly went to the cross, knowing that he willingly took the insults and the suffering and the rejection, knowing that he willingly didn't defend himself but just took it all, that doesn't make me, when I know him, that doesn't make me shy away when I'm in sin, but it makes me run to him saying, do it again. Jesus, I need saving again. Save me again. Save me again. See, he's not, what he's not is bitter. What he's not is unforgiving. What he's not is stingy with his love. The Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. See, we can, we can come to Jesus every time. Every time we slip into the old ways of being bitter or angry, every time we slip into the old ways, we can come to him over and over and over and over and over again because he's Jesus the Savior, not Jesus the bitter, not Jesus the angry, not Jesus the waiting to, to slap you down with, with lightning. He's, he's not that. He's, he's forgiving. He is kind. And so again, I'm not trying to just tell you who Jesus is. I'm trying to get you to come to Jesus because he is the saving grace that we all need. And he's Jesus the healer. Woo. Now here we believe in supernatural healing. And so we, we teach it over and over. Jesus, it's always his will to heal. It's always his will to heal. He paid for it. Why would you not want to do something or get something that you paid for? I mean, when you pay for it, you want it, right? Like sometimes we turn into Karens when we don't get what we feel like we were going to, what we, should, what we paid for, right? Like, let me talk to the manager. Like, <laughs> that's, that's when we get there, right? So, I mean, he paid for it. He wants it. That's it. And, it, and here we even have it. He was the one who carried our sickness. And in his wounding, we found our healing. And so there's no other name above Jesus. There's no other name above Jesus. The name of cancer is not above the name of Jesus. And I mean, it doesn't matter our experience with that because some of us have loved people and we have prayed for people and they died anyway. But that does not change the fact that there is no name above the name of Jesus, including cancer. Okay, controversial one. The name of COVID is not above the name of Jesus, okay? And I know that there are some of us that we have lost friends and we have lost loved ones to that. But I believe that, that just like the political pundits of, of both sides want to use COVID to gain political ground or whatever, I believe the enemy of our soul wants to use a, a very real virus that causes a very real disease. Boy, do I know it. But he wants to use it to get a stronghold of fear in our lives. To, to get a stronghold of fear. I mean, I have just never, ever, 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 ever seen so much concentrated media propaganda on one subject. Just one subject, one disease. So much. And it's just, it's all negative. It's this one died and that one died and, and this one was sick and you better do this and don't do that and don't go here and don't go there. And, and, it's, and it's, it's just, it's Fear coming through our phones. Fear coming through our radios or, or whatever you're listening to. It's so much fear. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus the healer, 
There is no name above his name. There is no name above his name. Now, maybe you haven't feared COVID or cancer, but we've all at some point or another feared something. We got a pink slip. A spouse walked out. A kid got on drugs. A, you know, you, you name it. We got in a car wreck. We, we've all at one point or another, the enemy has wanted to use circumstances in our lives to bring fear to us. Because with fear, you can control. With fear, you can control. Someone was interviewing one of the Nazi, one of the top Nazi um, commanders under Hitler. And they asked him, how did, you, how did you get the German people to go along with you? He said, oh, it was easy. We used fear. We used fear. When people are in fear, you can control them. And I believe the enemy would want to use fear to control us. To control us. Fear you're not going to have the money you need because of the inflation that's going on. Fear that, that maybe our country, the economy might, might fall if we get if a terrorist attack. And with everything that's going on in the Middle East, I mean, what are you supposed to think? Fear. Like, like the enemy wants to feed us fear like I have never, ever seen before. When I was fighting COVID, I would have to fight pictures of my own funeral. Well, I'm laying there and I can't breathe. And my oxygen levels never dropped super low, but there were times when I couldn't breathe. And there's a, there's a natural physical response that comes with that. It's called impending doom. Like when, when a patient has a pulmonary embolism, they have a feeling of impending doom. It's, it's, a, it's a known symptom. But I believe the enemy during that time was wanting to get a stronghold of fear in me again. Because that's what he does. And so here comes pictures of my own funeral while I'm laying there and not able to breathe. And I would have to say to myself, even in the middle of the night, I will live and not die. 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 I turned on Kenneth Hagin. I got on YouTube. Kenneth Hagin, Healing Scriptures. It's like hearing your grandfather read to you. There's soft music. For four hours, I would listen to that while I would try to sleep. You know, and I pulled through, and, and thank God, and again, prayers and other medications that I won't say on tape, and because this, this will go on the internet, you know, uh, we made it through. But the enemy, even after, I felt so traumatized and fear was still trying to come on. What if you get it again? You can't do this again. That was, that was so bad. You barely made it through. You can't do this again. What, 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 what if, what if, what if? And I had to battle the fear. And so I ran to my Jesus, my healer, and I let him heal my thoughts I let him heal my soul. I let him heal my body. And I mean, I came out on the other side going, okay, devil, you want to fight? Let's fight, buddy. Come on. <laughs> like the fighter side of me came back out. And it was like, okay, everybody I talk to, I'm going to tell them, there is no name above Jesus. COVID is not above Jesus. Cancer is not above Jesus. There is no sickness, no disease, no mental illness. There is nothing above the name of Jesus because he's the healer, he's the savior, and he's the victor. Hallelujah. So here's another thing I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we should focus on us. Okay, just like it's really, really silly to go your whole life and never stop for a moment to think about what you're thinking about because I always talk about stinking thinking. It's also just as silly to constantly think about, what, about yourself. 
like I don't remember who said it, but somebody said something to the effect of maturity isn't thinking less of yourself, it's about is maturity is thinking about yourself less. So it's not about thinking less. We're not worms. We're not God didn't design us to eat dirt. He doesn't want us to have poor self-value. He doesn't want us to have a poor self-image. But he also doesn't want us focused on us all the time. And I think I say it every time, you know. We, what, you know what a lot of counseling is? Now, I believe in counseling. I've been through a lot of counseling. I've been through RTF. I've been through some other stuff. I can't remember the name of it. But, I mean, I believe in counseling. But you know what a lot of counseling is? Let me tell you what I think about me, and then you tell me what you think about me thinking about me, and we'll call that, we'll call that counseling. And it's just all very me-focused. Now, get your issues dealt with. If, if, if you have rejection, abandonment, fear, get it dealt with. Absolutely. Get counseling if you need it. But six years on, still dealing with the same issue. It's no longer counseling. It's me, me, and me, and me. Think about yourself less, not less of yourself. Big difference. And so we need to think about what we're thinking about. Every once in a while, like, take, take a, a, what do they call it? A self-care check. That's what it is, a self-care check. Self-care. You know, but, but okay, for like five minutes, not for six weeks, okay? And, and notice, hey, what have I been talking about a lot lately? Has it been all the negative things of politics? Has it been just all the negative stuff of, of COVID and the pandemic? Has it been, what, what have I been saying? That we're not going to make it? That this thing is looking so bad? I, I, I just don't know that we're going to get through this. I don't know what we're going to do. I, I'm, I'm terrified that I'm going to lose my job. I don't know what we're going to do if inflation goes through the roof. I, I don't know if we can get that new house. I don't know if I can get that promotion. I don't know. I don't, like what's coming out of your mouth? Because what's coming out of your mouth is what you're thinking about. And it's coming from your heart. And so that's when you need to make an adjustment and be like, okay, where's Jesus in this? If I'm a Christian and a disciple of Jesus and I'm following him, where is he in this? Because he says that what's impossible with man is possible with him. He says that the plague will take 10,000 at my right hand and, and whatever at my left and it won't touch my house. He says that he is called to bless me and for me to be a blessing. He says that I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath it. That when a hair falls out of my head, he knows it. And so I got to look at what Jesus is saying and make sure that's what's I'm saying, so that means that's what I'm thinking about. Don't let that stinking thinking get in you. And so that's it. I just look over my notes just to make sure I didn't skip anything. I didn't hit it all. Very good. Check. But it's about Jesus. Jesus the victor. Jesus the savior. Jesus the healer. Now, I'm sure there's a lot more Jesus. Jesus the provider, Jesus the peacemaker, Jesus the peace, the storm stiller, like, you know, Jesus the bread multiplier. There's lots of other Jesuses. We could do a whole long series. I probably won't. I'll leave that up to somebody else. But these were the three that I felt the Lord wanted for us this morning. And so it tells me that within us, there's somewhere that we feel like we're losing, possibly, somewhere where we feel like we don't have victory, somewhere where, where we don't feel like we have the healer or where we don't have the Savior. And so I want us to just take stock for a second and, and think about it. Okay, 
the last 24 hours. We don't even do a week. I can't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday, much less what I did last Monday. Like, life is busy. Last 24 hours. Take a second and think about what is it that I've been talking about? Like, consistently. You know, not a sentence here or two, but every person you see, every person you talk to, you know, you call your mom, you call your dad, and, or your friend that you haven't seen in a while. What is it that you're talking about? Is it what's going on in your life, or is it what's going on in politics? What are you talking about? Is it fear? Are you, are you letting a lot of fear come out of you? Which, I mean, you know, better out than in, but it lets you know what's going on on the inside. Think about it for a second. And then think about what the Lord has said to us this morning and grab hold of it. Don't just, like, with your mind. Learn something. Oh, that was good. Oh, that was good. But let it grip your heart. God is after our hearts. He's after our hearts, not just our minds. And so, Lord, we just come to you this morning. And Jesus, save us <laughs> again. Save us from fears. Save us from doubt. Save us from, from even just being timid. Lord, save us from, from everything that this world and from what the enemy would try to, to bring on us. Lord, save us again. Because we know that in you we have victory. Victory in Jesus. Victory in Jesus. And so, Lord, heal us. Heal our thoughts. Heal our minds. Heal our motives. Heal our attitudes. Heal our souls. Where, where the world has torn at us, where experience has torn at us, where the last year has been, for some of us, really hard, and, it, and it's, it's, it's been a tough time. Lord, heal us on the inside from every wound, from every festering infection that's in there. Heal us, Lord. Once again, we surrender our lives, our hearts, our minds, our souls, our strength, our talents, our desires, our wants, our hopes, our dreams. We surrender it all to you. And we say, you have your way in our lives, Jesus. You have your way. Lord, I've had my way before, and it didn't lead to anything good. Have your way, Jesus. Have your way in my speech. Have your way in my thoughts. Have your way in my dreams. We give it all to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.